Hallelujah. Amen. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us all rejoice and be glad in it. Thank God for being here this morning. Thank God for the song we were singing. How many people who are here this morning are waiting for the coming of Jesus? Amen. If you're waiting for the coming of Jesus, let us give Jesus a hand. <laughs> and uh, like Paul said, Maranatha, Maranatha, coming, coming, Jesus. And we see for what we see going on in this world, we feel like we need to go home. And no matter what, which way we go, but one thing we have desire to see, we want to see Jesus face to face. We thank God for being here this morning to see your beautiful face. It has been a long time since I came to Cornerstone. But God make a way out of no way. And it's good when the saints, when the Christian people get together. We don't need to worry about riots. We don't need to worry about burning tires. We don't need to worry about fight. But there is love. There is joy forevermore. The same way we are is the same way we're going to be at Jesus' feet. It has been a long time for us, like you have heard. We have a brother in the Haitian church that I was talking to. Uh, my brother always telling me, my brothers, they say, don't call him Phil, Phil call him Pastor Phil. <laughs> that's the way it is in Haiti. So that's how they call elders. And I was talking to Pastor Phil. I asked him, I said, I can't make it to Cornerstone, but I know Cornerstone is a house of prayer where we pray always pray, call upon God for that blood in the Haitian church. Unfortunately, he didn't make it. He died from the COVID-19. Now he's in a better place, no suffering for him anymore. He had asthma, he had high blood pressure. He got so much issues in his body, but he died. He was very young, very young man. He was 50 years old. So. He left his wife with his children, but we continue to pray for his wife. We know that the Bible said all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. He said, what, shall, what can separate us with the love of God? Nothing. Paul said that. He did death, uh, COVID-19, and uh, riots. And then all those crazy things going on cannot separate us with Jesus would die for us and promise us that he's coming back to take us out of this wicked world. We're going to read the scripture in the book of First, Second Chronicles. We're going to read it together. Second Chronicles chapter 7 which is a familiar passage that you have heard or you probably read it too so many times. But today, last week, God put it in my heart and uh, that I can read it with you. Second uh, Chronicle chapter 7, verse 14 and 16. We're going to read it together. Uh, Second Chronicle, 
7, 14 through 16. He said, together, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will give this hand the land. And my ear attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Let us go again in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, from verse 6 to 12. Philippians, again, is a familiar passage. We're going to read chapter 2, verse 6, through verse 12. And he said, Who being in the form of God, though it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found in a fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even on the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has only highly exalted him, and give him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee should bow of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We thank God for the reading of the scripture, and uh, we thank God for uh, being here this morning to stand uh, in front of you to do the opening. And then uh, every day we wake up, we say, Lord, am I going to see the next day? Because the way we see things are going in this world. And every opportunity we have, we try to do, we have to do what is right to please God and hire him. There's one thing I was meditating over the week. It was humble and obedient. And, then, and I'm, I'm not trying to fly and, uh, this morning, and it's not impossible or easy to fly, but I'm going to keep myself down on the ground. So I was meditating on it and the scripture since that COVID-19 was going on. And uh, we are the people of God. And he said, like, if we humble ourselves as the people of God, if we pray, if we seek his face, if we do all these things, him, he will do what he's supposed to do toward us. To heal the nation, to heal our country, to heal Haiti, to heal everything that's going on. Not only the nation, but even our family is something going on. And we see, I was listening on the news, a young man, a young man that was a singer for like over about 20 years he was singing. 
and he stayed on live TV on the radio, he said he don't believe in God anymore. He denied. So I believe that you and I, we're going to make it until the end. We came too far by faith, leaning on the Lord to be where we are and to say we don't believe anymore. That's not going to happen. And we know with the power of God, we're going to make it until our last breath when we die. And he said, welcome and faithful servant. Welcome. You who have endured suffering in your body, going through a lot, going through a lot of things, but we never said, I'm going to give up. No, we're not going to give up. We know with prayer, God is able to do anything that we want him to do for us. I don't know what you want this morning, and I don't know what is in your heart. But we know when we pray, God will answer prayer. God is faithful. He's a righteous God. He may not give you what you want, but he will give you what you need. And I was talking to my wife. I said, even the country shut down. If I have rice and beans every day, I think I will make it. <laughs> I may not have chicken because chicken store shut down. But if I have rice and beans and water, that's enough. That's all I need. And I'm still going to be alive. But we thank God for being our provider. We thank God for being our supplier in everything that we need. He said, I will supply all your need according to my glory and which is in Christ Jesus. He will make a way out of no way. There might be bad news coming in. But one thing we're going to do, saints, we're going to pray for each other. We're going to help each other out because we know one day God will say, be still and know that I am God. I have power over everything. We see wickedness going on in, the world, in this world, a lot of wicked going on. But as the people of God, we're going to do what the Bible said to do. Humble ourselves. Pray, seek him, and to see if he's not going the, to open the door of heaven to pour out his blessing upon us. Even though if we don't have what we want to have, but yet we still have something that the world cannot take away from us, our salvation. They might close the door of the church and say they can't, we can't come to church, but Jesus in our heart. Can't nobody, can't nobody take Jesus away from you. This is the seal of our salvation. That's what I am excited. They close the church which is made with the hands of man. But there is a church made with the hand of Jesus. Down in my heart, down in my soul, can't nobody can close it. I pray whenever I want to pray. I sing whenever I want to sing. Even though I don't know the words of this song, I, said, I call my wife, help me out. Help me sing. Let us have church in the house. Because Jesus is here. It's in our heart. We thank God for Jesus. He died for us. He lived to save us. He died to deliver us. And the best thing, 
our sin wash away. How many people this morning that your sin are washing away by the blood of Jesus? He washed my sin away. He washed your sin away. We all together belong to Jesus and we're waiting for the coming of Jesus. We're going to pray for those on the street who do riots. The reason they do it because they are in the darkness. They are not in the light. The reason there is all those drama in this world because the world needs Jesus. They need the light to shine on him, and they will stop doing what they're doing. But us, as a people of God, one thing we can do is to pray for them. And we thank God for our salvation, for being here in the house of the Lord to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to ask you if you have any prayer requests. I have prayer requests. Uh, my parents are over here since, uh, when did they come? Huh? Since February, they got tired of it. I don't blame them. They've been here since February. They said they want to go back home so bad. And I told them I don't have any airplane to take them back home. The only one who can take them back home is Jesus. Not because the country don't want them to leave. The Haitian government closed the airport. And they don't want them to come back. So we pray for him, and, and I just heard the news about my father, oldest, his oldest sister passed away. So that makes the things complicated. But we know all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Um, we're going to pray for my parents. Is there any one of you that has a prayer request? Right, Tom? Um, We're going to, Sister Marsha. I'm sorry, Cape. I can't hear. All right. Amen. And uh, is there anybody else? Let's go to prayer. Father God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for blessing us to wake up this morning from our bed and to come into your house, which is the house of prayer, the house of worship. You are the God Almighty, the bright and morning star, 
the King of glory, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the one that lived and was dead, and behold, you are alive forevermore. You take the key of death, and you say, Death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Lord, we thank you because today death has no power over us because our sin washed away. Jesus paid the price for us at the cross. When, uh, he, he, when and the word said he having disarmed the powers and authority, he made a public spectacle of them by the cross. And now, Lord, we standing before you, we kneeling before you as well to call upon your name, Jesus. Because we know when we call on, upon your name, you will answer us. You may not give us what we want, but we trust you and believe you, you will give us what we need. We are praying, Father God, for Cape Cousin. We lift, we lift them up before you, Lord making a way out of no way. You can remove everything, every burden for them. And we pray you for errands, oh God, which is Tom's co-worker. Lord, we know you have power to save. You are mighty to save, Lord. Touch his heart, touch his mind. And oh God, that he might be saved. He might be coming to the house of prayer to worship and pray you. We pray you, O oh God, for uh, Marsha's and Bush family where they, they lost that 29 years old. Die, Lord. We know you have power to console their family. It is tough, but we know, Lord, the, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is strong. Touch them, console them, empower them, Lord. You are a faithful God. You have been in the flesh. You have been going through what we are going through. You know what we're going through, Lord. You're faithful. We pray for Kurt and Harlan, Lord. We pray for that person they ask for prayer. Lord, we pray you, Lord, that you will make a way. Be with my father right now as he lost his sister that went to be with you in the heaven. We pray you for Pastor Joel. We pray you for all the family that are mourning of her departure to the heaven. Lord, we know that you're faithful, Lord. Our hope is in you. Jesus, our, our brother, our Lord and our Savior, our Redeemer, our hope is in you. We pray for the people on the street, Lord, right now. We're doing riots. We're doing a bunch of destruction. We lift them up before you, Jesus. The enemy came but to kill, to destroy but you came to give life abundantly, Lord. Show them light. Touch them, O oh God. Show them that there is a better way. There is a good way. And the good way is only in you, Lord. We pray you for the nation of Israel, for the peace of Jerusalem, and we pray you for the peace of the United States. We pray you, O oh God, that you make a way for us, that, O oh God, we will do Things according to your will, not according to our way, Lord. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us to love what is unlovable. Help us to forgive, even though, oh God, it's hard. 
but we can forgive. Help us to, oh God, to get healed where we have been hurt in our heart, Lord. We pray you right now, oh God, not because we are worthy to pray you, but by the grace of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, who die on the cross, and we come approach to you to talk to you and call upon your name. We thank you, and we give you the praise, and we give you the glory that you deserve, Lord. There is a lot of people crying right now, Lord, because they lost their loved one from the COVID-19. We pray you to touch them, those that we don't know their name, but we leave their family before you, those who lost their husband, who lost wife, who lost children. Lord, we lift them up before you, Jesus. Heal our nation. Heal it, O oh God, for your glory and your namesake, we pray. And let us say the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, allowed be in your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. For that is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen.
you will recall, we would have had the Haiti benefit auction before now, and we had asked Brother Cephas to have the message that Sunday. And we usually have a guest speaker on that Sunday. And when the Haiti auction got withdrawn because of COVID-19, I was afraid that Brother Cephas would pop if we didn't let him speak. <laughs> so that's the reason we had him for an opening. And we thank you for that, Brother Cephas. There are some questions that an unbeliever can ask that I find difficult. Uh, if God is love, why does he allow natural disasters? If God is love, why do I have so much pain? Just recently I heard about a woman and she lived in a very, very difficult situation and the community about her was exceedingly unstable and evil. Her own life was not in a good situation and there was one person in her life, it was her grandmother, that was a stabilizing factor for her that she could always depend on and grandma died. And this woman asked the question, if God, if your God is love, why did he take my grandma? I don't know about you, I find those things hard to answer in a way that an unbeliever especially could understand. Yeah, I know there's a Robbie Zacharias and the Tim Kellers and the John MacArthur's and all, they got great answers and they do. They're gifted. Some of the rest of us struggle, don't we? So, you're wondering what that has to do with the topic, as you can see. And I want to explain it like this. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm making this up, so I don't want somebody to misunderstand. Let's say that I would invite all of you for an ice cream social this afternoon. I want you to come to Ag and Broad. You just turn off 571, turn south on 201, and then turn east on Ag and Broad and come to our place. But what I didn't tell you was, at the corner of 201 and Agenbrod is an unbelievable outbreak of COVID-19. I mean, I don't know why, but it's just, I'm making this up, by the way. I don't know why, but it's really bad right there. You drive through there, and you're probably going to get sick. And if you're older and weak, you're probably going to die. But come on over, let's have some ice cream. And you would say to me, I thought you loved this. What's the matter with you that you would do that? Because what I should tell you, and if that would happen, I would say, why don't you come around on 571 and come around on Palmer Road and go around that intersection. That would be love, wouldn't it? Do you know what we're going to do today? We're going to talk about the end of the unbeliever. It is not pretty. It is ugly. It is harsh. In the eyes of the world, it looks mean. And someone's going to say, why are you trying to scare people with that stuff? 
And I'm going to tell you the message this morning is not that. The message is the love of God and he's going to tell us. When he talks about the evil that comes on every unbeliever, he's going to show us and tell us that there is a bypass. That there is a way around. And that is the love of God. So they may say, I don't know why God doesn't do so and so. That's man's definition of God's love. God's love says, I make provision for you to avoid the evil. And that's the overshadowing picture that we have this morning. I want you to understand that. Turn your Bibles with me to Luke 23. We want to welcome everyone that's here this morning. It is really, really exciting for me to look over here and see so many young people. To see young people here. In fact, I think we have some here that's for the first time because they're newborn. Look over here, and there's so many young, now, you older people, you're great too, but I'm telling you, this is exciting. And I praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you, ask something else. I, I feel like I'm studied up on this subject, and that's probably dangerous to say, because maybe I'm not. But that's what I feel. But I don't feel like I'm prayed up enough. I'm counting on you. Brother Cephas asked us this morning to be a praying people. And I'm, I'm reinforcing that. I'm asking for you to pray for this morning. Just, not just for me. But for the Spirit of God to have its sway and its power in all of us. So I want to begin this morning. And I want to um, read a portion of Scripture in Luke 23, verses 39 through 42. And one of the malefactors, or criminals, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be in paradise with me. I think these two thieves represent the entire human family. Every one of us are thieves. We have all robbed God. We have all been selfish. We do not accurately portray the glory that we were intended to glorify him. But there's one thief, and this thief amazes me. He's hanging there. He's probably got... Nails driven through his wrist and through his feet. And he's bleeding at the top. And I don't know if they pierced his side or not. But he is bleeding all over the place. And he's dying and he's in pain. And you know what he does? He stops and he looks around and he sees his fellow thief. He speaks to him. And then he speaks to the Lord. And this is what he says, to paraphrase it, if you'll allow me to do this. I know that my situation is not the final one. Lord, there is a greater thing coming. There is a greater place coming. And I'm going to plead with you, Lord, that you will take me there with you. I want to ask you this morning. I don't know about you, I'm sick and tired of hearing about COVID-19. And yet I'm probably going to talk about it a little bit. There is a day coming. There is a reality that is coming that is greater by far than anything any of us have ever seen or felt or gone through. 
And that reality is that one day I will stand before God and you will too. And every human being will. So, all thieves go to court, right? They all come before the living God. And we're going to see in a little bit that he is the judge. So my question for you this morning before we go any further. By the way, this message is not new for me. For 30 years, I have preached this. Whenever I go on revivals, this is one of the messages that I carry with me. I don't know why I shared that with you. Anyway. Um, the question is, not as whether or not we're thieves, we are. It's not whether or not we're going to judgment, we are. The question is, what judgment are you going to? What is the court going to be when you stand before God? When I stand before God? And there are basically two courts that are found in the scripture, and we want to look at them. Before we do that, let's pass on to Romans 14. And I want to read um, three verses there, Romans 14, starting at verse 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, and why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So my question is, if you're going to bow the knee, where are you going to bow that knee? Are you going to bow it at the judgment seat of Christ, which is for the believer, and we'll look at that in a little bit? Or are we going to bow the knee at the great white throne judgment where the, all the unbelievers go. Do you know, and, and this is a little bunny trail, but I never thought about it until I studied it this time. I love the way we baptize because the new convert gets down on their knees in the water and bows not to man but to the Lord. And I want to tell you something. I think when we get together and worship, it's all right to stand and pray. In fact, we just read where the believers do stand. By the way, you never find an unbeliever standing before God. It's only a believer. But the reason we can stand before God is because we have bent the knee ahead of time. And I think it's important when we worship. I know it's just symbolic. It's really of the heart. But it's symbolic that at times we get down literally on our knees if we're physically able. And bow the knee to the Lord. And since the day that I was baptized, Christmas Day, since the day I was baptized, I've never bowed the knee to anyone else, and I don't intend to, and neither do you. So the question is, if we do not bow then, if we do not come to the Lord, where are we going to bow that knee? And we're going to get there in a little bit, and it's scary. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5, verses 8 through 11. 
We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. I'm just going to stop there. I would understand that this judgment, and we're not going to spend our main time here, this judgment is for the believer. And what happens is we come before the Lord. This is not for judgment in the sense of punishment. The punishment has already been taken at Calvary by my Lord. And the judgment and the punishment that I deserve, he has absorbed for me. But he says here, you notice that um, we may receive things done in the body. And probably need to um, look at Revelation 22, 12. It just, you don't need to turn there. Uh, this is when our Lord returns. And this is what Jesus says when he returns. It's pretty interesting. Revelation 22, 12. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I think there's going to be a time when the believer stands before the Lord, and he has already bowed the knee, he has confessed him as Lord, and the Lord says here, I've got my rewards with me to give you. He is going to reward us according to how we have served him. This is pictured, if you look in the Greek words in Corinthians we just read here, it's called Bema, B-E-M-A, and I don't understand the Greek, but it's literally the judgment seat. When the uh, Olympian runners would run, and they would compete in whatever contest it was, and then they would come before the Bema, and they would give them rewards according to how well they competed. And this is what he's saying here. He's saying here to the saved, when you come, I'm going to have rewards for you to how well you competed in my kingdom. Salvation is not the issue here. Rewards are. We are saved. That's the way I understand it, at least. If there be other insights, I'd be glad to listen. So I wanted to touch this because, remember, there are two places that men are going to go in judgment. The first one is the believer will come to the judgment seat of Christ. Now, where we really want to go today is to Revelation 20. And this is the great white throne judgment. Every time I approach this scripture, I feel a sense of awe. I don't think it's possible in the human language to express the impressiveness, the power of this situation that we're going to read about. Maybe by the grace of God and the spirit of God, we can grasp a little of it today. That's our plea. And so I want to begin reading in the 11th verse, and we're just going to work our way through it to the end of this chapter. And I saw a great white throne. Today, if you get called into court, whether you're guilty or not, you get called into court, there are attorneys that represent you, there are uh, systems of appeals, and you can continue to appeal, and it can go all the way to the Supreme Court. 
this is the Supreme Court of the universe and there are no more courts. This is it. This is the final court in all of time, in all space, for all mankind. This is the court that everyone will go to who has not named the name of Jesus. And so we're brought before this, this great court. And first of all, so there's no more appeals. There, and, and we're going to see it in a little bit. Hey, we're going to try to have a defendant here. We're going to see what happens to the defendant, to those that stick up for the defendant. It's not here. First of all, it says it's great. It is the finite before the infinite. It is the worm before the unconsuming fire. It is the limited you and me before the unlimited God. So we are approaching in a courtroom like we have never ever experienced and no human being ever has on this earth. And then it's called white. It's unveiled and undiminished blaze of divine holiness and purity. We could look at some other scriptures. I'm not going to do that. Nothing like it. The glory of it. The power of it. And then it says a throne. It's unlimited eternal majesty, glory, and power. That's the courtroom. So here we are. And I saw a great white throne. And then it says, and him. And by the way, I've said this before. I do not understand why, at least in the King James, him is not capitalized here. I really don't, because it's the Lord, and I'll show you that in a minute. And him that sat on it. This is point number six up here, Revelation 20, 11b, the judge. And let's go to John. You keep your, uh, stay in Rome, uh, Revelation 20. We'll come back to it. Let's go to uh, St. John 5, 22, and we'll show you who the him is here. For the fa uh, 522, for the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Verse 27, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. You know who the judge is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. So, man is approaching the unapproachable light in an unforgiven state. I want to tell you, this is reality. It isn't our situation today. It isn't the mess we're in financially. It isn't failing health. This is reality. What will we do with Jesus? And when a man fails to accept the offered terms of mercy at Calvary, he will be at the great white throne and he will stand there before him in an unforgiven state. He's in trouble. And there are no more courts of appeals. It's over. Last part of that 11th verse says, From whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. I've titled that the witness for the defense. I don't know how you interpret this scripture, but 
it seems to me like in light of everything that's here, that heaven and earth flee the scene. They're ashamed that man that was made in the image of God and offered the eternal blessings of God to be totally transformed and forgiven has rejected it and heaven and earth want nothing to do with this man in court. So they flee the scene. Well, man doesn't have anywhere to hide. He's, he's in trouble. Men say, well, I'm as good as those Christians. I mean, I, I've done a lot of good things, and I've been fair, and I've been honest, and uh, I've, I've, I've been a pretty good dude. I joined, I joined all kinds of clubs and organizations, and I were benevolent, and I'm a pretty good guy. I'm telling you, brother and sister, unless we have come to Jesus, unless his blood has covered our sins, heaven and earth don't even want to have anything to do with this. They're done with this. Well, let's move on to the 12th verse, the first part. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. This is the unbeliever. I want to tell you something, he's naked. And it isn't physical nakedness that's going to embarrass him. It's going to be the nakedness of a soul that has rejected the covering of the blood of Christ. And everything about is going to be totally available and visible to the one that is judging us. Everything. Thoughts. Attitudes. Possibilities. You name it. And here we are. Standing before this God. Powerful, beautiful, majestic, glorious God. And we have rejected him. The thing that impresses me is the sequence of where this is in Scripture. This is after the thousand-year reign, the millennial reign of Christ, and mankind has been able to see what it's like when God rules in complete authority and perfection and it's been beautiful. A thousand years, it's been unbelievable. And then at the end of that thousand years, Satan is released for a little bit. And you know what man does? He goes, he goes right back. People will say, well, if my circumstances were different, I, I would have served him probably. I mean, you, you don't understand what I've gone, no. Even after it's perfect, man will reject the living God. How can that be? My prayer this morning is that there is not a soul, not one single soul that's here this morning that will fall into this category. I want you to take the bypass. I want you to say yes to Jesus. Up until this court, man has been allowed, amazingly, to oppose Christ. We see it all over, don't we? We live in a people, in a place, and in a culture that opposes the word of God. We do. But when this comes, it's over. It's over. 
Well, let's move on to the latter part of that 12th verse. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. I got a question for you this morning. It might be the most important question I ask this morning. Is your name written in the book of life? David understood this. He was the king. You know what kings did? When a child was born into the kingdom, they had a book called the book of life and they wrote that child in. When someone passed away, they took them out of the book of life. So when David sinned with Bathsheba, if you'll read in the psalm, you know what David said? Blot not my name out of the book of life. David understood that if his name was taken out of the book of life, the man was after God's own heart. He understood that if he lost that, he lost everything. I wonder if there's someone this morning, you have been pretty good. You have been raised in a Christian home. You're a good gal. You're a good man. But your name has never been written in the book of life. You know what's going to happen? You're going to go to the great white throne judgment unless you repent. That's what's going to happen. And then it says the books. <laughs> I don't know about you. I don't want those books opened on me. I think these books have the record of everything. Everything I've done. Everything I should have done. Every opportunity I had that I missed. Every thought. I want them covered by the blood. I don't want them read. And then it says... The works, the actual, the possible, the motives, everything. You see, if Jesus has not paid the price for our sin because we have rejected it, he has paid it, but we can reject it. If we have rejected it, then there is no more offering for sin and it's going to be exposed. And we are in trouble. Somebody may be sitting here today and you think, well, I'm the worst guy. If you knew what all I've done, guy or gal, whoever you are, if you knew what all I've done and thought and acted, boy, you'd, no. I want to know if it's under the blood. I want to know if your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what counts. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. It's kind of interesting that when I think about the sea and people that died at sea, um, and their bodies are lost in that vast ocean and probably eaten by sharks, and who knows what all happens, I don't know. But they're just gone, right? No. They are not gone. You know what's amazing? These are dead people. These are people that do not have the life of the blood of the life of the Spirit of God in them. They are dead people. And this is what it says. 
the body, soul, and spirit is reunited to stand before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Dead people that stand before him. I, I don't ask me to explain that. There's a illustration I've used many times, but to me it illustrates the thought that's here. We tend to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. We look around and I'm as good as you are, or you know, whatever it is. And so let's imagine that we are on the coast of California this morning. Pacific Ocean's out there, beautiful as far as we can see. We know out there somewhere is Hawaii. And since I'm an old man and can't run anymore, I really can't jump. So for me to jump to Hawaii, I might get two or three inches, right? But along comes an Olympic world champion. And man, he makes a run for it and he jumps out there 30 feet. He sets a brand new world record. He's no closer to Hawaii than I am. And I'm telling you, when we compare ourselves amongst ourselves, we're foolish. There's only one that can save us. There's only one hope, and that is Jesus. So body, soul, and spirit is reunited for this dead person. Verse 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I said this was a trial. There's a, there's a sense in which it's really not even a trial because the facts are already in. And the fact is that anyone that's here has rejected the call of the Spirit of God and has not made him Lord. There's something that's missing. We're not going to take the time. We go back to Revelation 4 and we start to see the power of God in Revelation in that chapter especially. And uh, there's a crystal sea. There's mercy. There's a rainbow. But at the great white throne, there is no peace of the crystal sea. There is no rainbow and there is no mercy. Because it has been rejected. It was offered. But we didn't take the bypass. And so the verdict is, whoever was not written in the Lamb's book of life, it's over. I've got, got a question for you. You, you know... You know what the book of life is? It's the book of people that are living. And the only life is, comes from the giver of life. There is no other life. It comes from Jesus. We give him the glory. Well, I want to conclude this morning, and some of you will have to be patient with me. I'm, they say old men like to repeat themselves. So I like to repeat myself, I'll let you decide on the other. <laughs> but there's a story that I, I cherish it, I really do. It's just a human story, it's apparently a true story. In the early days of this nation as they, they moved westward and wagon train after wagon train um, moved west, 
and the story of this wagon train as they come up a long draw up a mountainside and as they got to the top of the mountain they looked out and there was a huge huge fire burning it's coming towards them coming right at them the wind was bringing it right in there coming right at them and the wagon master he jumped down real quick and he he started lighting a fire behind the fire behind the wagon train and the other men in the, in the in the wagon train realized what he was doing and they joined him and they got a whole line of fire going and the wind blew it away from them and they burned a huge area and then after it burned the wagon train master says back off every one of us get on where we've already burned and there was a little girl she said are we going to die are we going to die and the wagon master took her in his arms and said, no, honey, we're standing where the fire has already been. Hallelujah. If we've been to Calvary, we're where the fire of God has already been. And our lives are safe. God is offering us a bypass. Don't play. This is reality. I don't care if you're young or old, smart, tall, short, don't make any difference. Eternity is in the blood of Christ and faith in him. Amen.